Welcome in to the Prophetic Sermon Broadcast with your host, Minister Alvin Scales. And now, let's join in to today's program. Oh, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Thank you for listening to this radio broadcast, the Prophetic Sermon Broadcast. Today, I want to talk to you on the subject, Thirsty. Are you thirsty today? In John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30, the word of God says these words. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. People of God, we can tell from this passage of Scripture that Jesus did not have a thirst that he needed to be quenched with vinegar. Because the text tells us that when Jesus said, I thirst, they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it to his mouth. But right after that, after he had received the vinegar, the scripture tells us that he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. So this means that the vinegar, this means that the vinegar did not do anything to satisfy his thirst or to sustain his life. Jesus was not in need of the vinegar that the Roman soldiers so caringly decided to give him. The vinegar did not do anything to help his physical situation, and in fact, the vinegar was not necessary to quench the thirst that Jesus had, and the vinegar could not quench his thirst because he was not thirsty for vinegar. Stay with me, people of God. I've looked at this passage of scripture time and time again, wondering why those Roman soldiers became so thoughtful in giving Jesus the vinegar in the first place. Did they now care about Jesus as a person? Did they come to care about his humanitarian needs? Did they find it in their hearts to have compassion for him? Did they see him as a man needing to be treated for exhaustion and dehydration? How could they when they were the ones who would have caused him to be dehydrated? When they were the ones who had wearied him? when they were the ones who had beaten him, when they were the ones who had plated a crown of thorns and put it upon his head, causing blood to come from the cuts in his head, when they were the ones who had previously scourged him to the point that his skin was torn and he was bleeding even from those wounds, 
when they were the ones who had parted his garments to expose the bloody body that they caused Jesus to have, when they were the ones who had nailed Jesus to the cross and who had mocked and ridiculed him, did they now for a brief moment in time come to care about him? I don't believe so. There is no way that after they have done all of these things to Jesus that they could then turn around and care about him being thirsty. In fact, after Jesus had died and the Jews wanted the bodies to be removed from the crosses because of the Sabbath day approaching, the same Roman soldiers broke the legs of the two thieves that were also crucified on either side of Jesus. And when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, one of the soldiers took a spear and pierced him in his side, causing blood and water to come out from the womb. This means that they wanted to make sure that Jesus, the one whom they had given the vinegar to because he said he was thirsty, they wanted to make sure that he was dead so that they could remove the bodies. This confirms that they did not truly care about him being thirsty. So this means that Jesus had to be thirsty for something else. He had to be longing and craving for something else to quench the thirst that he really had. And this thirst that Jesus mentioned could have been yet another parable that those hearing would not understand, those seeing would not perceive, and those mocking and ridiculing him would not comprehend. He had to be thirsty for something else. Jesus knew that all things were now accomplished, and as he knew this, he also knew that it wouldn't be long for him to return home to heaven. He knew that it wouldn't be long for him to be glorified. He knew it wouldn't be long for him to receive his just due reward for accomplishing what God had sent him out to do. And he knew that it wouldn't be long for him to once again be reunited with his father. And Jesus, he was thirsty. He was in a sense anxious, excited, and overwhelmed with joy about this time and about the fulfillment of all things that he was sent to do so that he could get the glory that was due unto him and be glorified by the father. We could almost say that it created a sense of urgency and a feeling of anxiety within himself to where he was ready and anxious to fulfill the will of God and die for the sins of the world, complete the assignment, get it all over and done with so that he could return to his heavenly home. This thirst that Jesus had was a strong craving within himself that created a strong desire for him to finish the work so that he could get to what was waiting for him. Jesus was also overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed with all the feelings and the emotions that he had to endure because of all the things that he had to go through. Oh, but people of God, he was also inspired with a sense of accomplishment, completion, and even anticipation 
in receiving the reward for such an accomplishment as he had done. Jesus had longed and waited patiently for the time to come when he would once again be reunited with his father, having completed all that the father had sent him out to do in order to save the life of you and I and the whole world. Watch what Jesus said in John chapter 17, verses 4 and 5, as he prayed to the Father. He said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. What did Jesus accomplish, and how did he glorify God? Well, he glorified God by being obedient and doing the will of God down to the final curtain call of death. He glorified God by coming to the earth and instilling God's plan of salvation and redemption to his creation. He glorified God by bringing the word of God directly from God to the world. And he glorified God by making the word of God to become flesh and dwell among us so that he could accomplish what, what God needed him to accomplish in the form of the flesh of man that needed to be redeemed. And he did this in order to bring us back to right standings with God. He accomplished taking on all the sins of the world and bearing them in his own body on the tree that we, being dead to sins, could live unto righteousness. He accomplished the healing of all of our infirmities, sicknesses, and diseases, and by his stripes we were healed. He accomplished the crucifixion of our sins, therefore exalting the power of God over the power of the devil, over the power of evil, and over the power of death, even over the power of destruction and uh, eternal damnation that a life of sin would bring. He accomplished setting salvation in place for any who would call on the name of the Lord and believe in him. He also accomplished reconciling the whole world back unto God. Jesus set the course for the grace and mercy of God to abound and to endure even through a life of sin. And he instilled the power of God's forgiveness, which destroys all the wicked works of the devil at the exact time that we ask to be forgiven. Jesus also accomplished making the gospel to be believed. When after he was resurrected from the dead, he showed himself to a multitude of people who of some wrote and recorded that they had seen the risen Christ so that we would believe. Jesus accomplished all there was for him to accomplish, and he knew that he had done it, and he knew that it was thoroughly and completely done. He knew that he only had to lay down his life one time, once and for all, and he did. And now he was thirsty. He was thirsty to get back to the glory of God that he first had with him since the foundation of the world began. 
and he was thirsty to get back to the place where he currently sits on the right hand of God, having been given all power in heaven and in the earth. He has been glorified. He has been magnified, and he has been exalted above all things in heaven and in earth. He has been given omnipotent power. He has been given a sovereign rulership, and he has been given supreme power. That's why he is the master, the ruler, and the king of kings. That's why he's the Lord of lords, and he is the Alpha and the Omega. That's why he is the beginning and the end, and even the first fruits of those who were resurrected from the dead. And he is the door to eternal life, the door to the Father, the door to the kingdom of heaven, and to the tabernacle of God, because Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, walked into his destiny. This is what he was thirsty for. Are you thirsty, people of God? just like Jesus was thirsty. See, God uh, allows us to be thirsty for some things too. And God said in his word, Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Are you longing for that fulfillment in your life? Are you ready to walk into your destiny because you know what is there waiting for you? Let me show you some things that you might be thirsty for, that we can relate to, that some people are thirsty for. Some of you are looking forward to your retirement. You have worked and worked for so many years, and the time is drawing near for your working days to come to an end. You have consulted with a financial advisor. You have created a nice portfolio and you know what the plan looks like and what it will mean for you when you get to it. Your future looks good. It's now just a matter of time and the completion of that time. And what the plan reveals will be manifested. Oh, I know you can hardly wait. You begin to feel it. You begin to long for it. You begin to crave it and you begin to desire it more than ever. So what do you do? You start counting down the days, and as they decrease, oh, you can taste the sweet life of retirement. You have run the race and have finished the course, and now you are entitled to receive the just due rewards because you have earned it. Congratulations. You've been looking forward to this great day just as Jesus was looking forward to that great day to come for him. Are you thirsty? Watch this one. When people have passed away, some of them have made a way for others to receive an inheritance that they have left to them. And it can cause the beneficiaries to expect to receive something. Somebody is expecting to receive that inheritance. Somebody has been written into the last will and testament of the insured. But if the life of the insured has yet to be fulfilled and completed, that has to happen before the inheritance can be administered. The insured labored well and established a nice, healthy estate. You are entitled to receive your portion just because the insured loved you so much. You know it's coming. 
The policy could be tied up in a probate court for a while. But you know that when the time of fulfillment has come, you will receive your inheritance. Again, this can cause you to thirst for the time of completion. This may cause you to crave for the outcome so that you can gain what you are entitled to. And this may create a strong desire for you to receive what is rightfully coming to you. And you know that it's coming. And as a result of this, you begin to make plans and you now have buying power to make purchases because the inheritance is guaranteed. So are you thirsty? Somebody needs to know that you have also been insured and covered by the life, the blood, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. He has labored for you and I and has written you and I directly into God's will and into his testament. You and I have an inheritance waiting for us that is not of this world. And upon the completion of the time, upon the fulfillment of that time, you and I will receive the greater reward that has been stored up for us in heaven. And it's there waiting for us right now. Somebody's longing today to receive that greater inheritance. When on that great day, when the saints go marching in, you and I will be in that number. You need to know that our life here on earth must first be fulfilled and the days have to be completed. Jesus has already made it possible for us to receive this greater inheritance because he already paid the price for it and established it on our behalf. Oh, this, is, this inheritance is one that we cannot squander away. This is one that we won't run through in a matter of time. This is an inheritance that won't leave us broke after we've spent all the financial inheritance. This is an inheritance that no one in this world can give us. And this is an inheritance that has been set up for all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 3 verses 23 and 24 tells us, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Oh, when we have completed this course of life, when we have finished the work that God has called us to do, and we have served the Lord with all of our heart, mind, and soul, then we will be ready to enter into the glory of the Lord just as Jesus was ready to enter into his glory. We will be ready to receive our reward for our service just as Jesus received his reward for his service. We will be ready to receive a crown just as Jesus has already received his crown. Oh, can you see the future now? Uh, are you craving to see the promises of God fulfilled in your life? You're looking forward to getting to heaven just as Jesus was looking forward to going back to heaven. We have all, we're getting ready to put on immortality and we're getting ready to put on incorruption and we're going to be as he is and we'll be ready to enter into eternal life where we will forever be with the Lord. Somebody is thirsty for this greater inheritance. You have to be thirsty for this greater inheritance. If you're not thirsty for it, you're not going to strive for it. Somebody is looking for that day when, when none but the righteous shall see God. 
Somebody is longing to see Jesus in all of his glory face to face. We're, we're ready and we're getting ready to receive our mansion in the sky. We're getting ready to walk along the paved streets of gold. We're getting ready to enter in through the gates into the holy city. And we're getting ready to see God in all of his glory, beauty, and his splendor. People of God, can you taste it? Can you see it? Can you feel it? Are you ready to receive it today? If you are, you have to be thirsty and you have to continue to be thirsty. Quench not that thirst. Don't let it die down. Quench not even the Holy Spirit, as the word of God tells us. We have to continue to thirst for righteousness, the righteousness of God, so that you and I can receive the greater inheritance that Jesus has already prepared for us once we get to our heavenly home on high for eternal life. With that, I want to thank you so much for listening in to this radio broadcast, and may God bless the rest of your day.
prophetic sermon broadcast is sponsored by the service club for all your interior cleaning and painting needs call the service club at 513-406-8201 513-406-8201 and ask for alvin scales the service club is fully insured the service club a clean job from start to finish 
listening to the prophetic sermon broadcast with minister alvin scales to correspond or to support this broadcast you can write to the prophetic sermon ministries post office box 14895 cincinnati ohio 45250 or call minister scales at 513-406-8201 that's 513-406-8201 And tune in next week at the same time for the Prophetic Sermon Broadcast on 1320 AM WCVG, the voice of Cincinnati.